0: South Korea, yep, yep. Trump, okay. who's saving our country, finally, <laughs> finally, <laughs> oh, Jesus is back in the White House, back, so,
1: Trump is Jesus, he is, yeah, I know, in the flesh, <laughs> all right, so, yes, all right, so this is Angie Hong, and I'm doing an Asian invasion mm. of profane faith,
0: come on,
2: Things are going to get worse before they get better. Got down on his knees and gave his life to Christ because Americans are
0: dreamers too.
1: You're not in any moral position to tell anybody
0: how corrupt
2: they are. You should be quiet. Why? Why are our black sons and daughters being treated so badly?
0: This is Profane Faith, a podcast that engages faith on the margins. Faith that has been labeled profane, non-conformist, and or out there. We'll be exploring the intersections of the sacred, secular, and profane to find God. I'm your host, your boy, Daniel White-Hodge.
1: All right, so my name is Angie Hong. I'm friends with Daniel White-Hodge for about two years. And I decided to do an Asian invasion of this podcast of Profane Faith. The reason being... Dan asked me to be a part of this podcast, which I was so honored that he asked me. Seriously, so honored, because um, he's had some really distinguished guests. But I'm thinking to myself, well, I don't really have a lot going on. I don't have a book coming out. I haven't recorded music or anything um i'm a writer and a speaker and um, worship leader but i don't really have anything coming out but you do dan you have a book coming out so i decided that the interview needed to be more about him than about me um he's just way more interesting at this time at this you're moment in time, in, in time you're killing
0: me killing <laughs> me so i decided to do an asian
1: takeover what do y'all think um I wanted to pick his brain about this book. This book is amazing. You have to go out and buy it. When it comes out in July, it is 300-plus pages of just knowledge. Every word is a, is a golden nugget. I highlighted the whole thing, um, and you're going to love it, too. But, yes, this is why I di- I'm doing an Asian invasion. Awesome. <laughs> uh, was that good? You were great. Okay. (laughs) Dan White-Hodge. Yes. With 23 years of urban multi-ethnic youth work experience, you are a recognized urban youth culture expert and cultural literacy scholar. Dr. Hodge is associate professor of intercultural communications and department chair of communication arts at North Park University in Chicago. His research interests are the intersections of faith, Hip Hop Culture, Race ide- race Ethnicity, and Young Adult Emerging Generations. His four books are Heaven Has a Ghetto, The Missiological Gospel and Theology of Tupac Shakur, The Soul of Hip Hop, Hip Hop's Hostile Gospel, and most recently, Homeland Security, a hip-hop missiology for the post-civil rights context. Mm. This is being released when, Dan White-Hodge? Well,
0: hopefully by July, end of June. At okay. least that's what I hope. But I need to hear back from my um, editor, but that's yeah. the that's the hope.
1: So really soon. And this is being published by IVP University Press Academic. The Academic side, Which means yes. it's a smart book for smart people.
0: Oh, come on now. <laughs> and it is smart.
1: It's over 300 pages. Yes uh, Very dense It was really good reading uh-huh. uh, I, ha- I took a bunch of notes I can't wait to oh ask my. you the questions But first yes. let's talk about how you and I met So yes. we met when? Two years ago I feel
0: Was it two years ago officially? Two years
1: ago I thought yeah. it was longer
0: than that Maybe um, maybe, maybe I'm... three
1: years ago I think it was two years ago Okay We met um, and we met. We're a part. We're both a part of this group called mm-hmm. Evangelicals for Justice. Yes, E four J. E four J, uh, and that's when we met. And I knew. Dan White Hodge Everybody knows when Dan White Hodge Walks into a oh, room Oh, come y'all. on, come on He's got Andy, the you... He's got the newsboy cap <laughs> Signature Although he's not wearing it today He's usually got <laughs> a bow tie Just You just want to observe oh, the outfit man. Oh,
0: man That's too much
1: And your presence is always known and felt uh, I'm an Graham four
0: You know what I'm saying? I got
1: it Ah, <laughs> that makes so much sense I'm a seven You're seven? So I just bring the fun Oh,
0: yeah, there you go That's See? me Okay There you go <laughs>
1: No wonder we're getting along so well. This I, is so good. I know. But I knew you always had really, really great things to say. And mm. now it's just really good to read you and read up about you. And now we're in yeah. this interview. I and know. we have so much to talk about.
0: Well, I was a fanboy. I mean, I saw you on stage, I think it's CCDA. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I was like, man, that woman can sing. Golly. Thank you. And That's I know I'm so serious. serious. And I was like, oh, yeah. man. And so I remember then seeing you, I think at Willow. One time I showed up to Willow because that's when we oh. first got here. And we oh. were checking out churches, and somebody said, Oh, you got to go to Willow. And I was like, All right, I'll go check out Willow. Yeah. And I saw you up and I was like, Oh, no way. <laughs> I, I've seen her before. <laughs> and so I was like, Man. And so then when you came, I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is great. We can meet and connect. Yeah. So I was, I was a fanboy.
1: And how long have you been in the Chicagoland area? You're in Oak Park.
0: Uh, I am in Oak Park. Um, Let's see. We got here. So about six years, a little over six years. I got here February of
1: 2012.
0: Okay. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've been here two years. Just a short two years. And now I'm headed back. Now you're headed back. Oh. Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that. Yes. But you are a theological hip hop, hip hop theology
0: expert. (laughs) yeah, you are the like that.
1: leading expert on that.
0: Uh, something like that, yes. Yeah.
1: And I want you to unpack that because the thing is, okay, let's let's step back for a minute. Okay. What draws people to your podcast, and this is how I narrate this to people whenever I tell them to mm. listen to your podcast, which I do oh recommend my. it to pretty much everybody that wow. I know. I'm, what I say man. is, Dan White Hodge is a really deep theological thinker. Um, a cultural sort of expert analyst and it's his but it's just his personal sort of processing through 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 the 2016 election and mm-hmm. you're actively processing through but then you're processing through with all these amazing guests and you have them on the show and y'all are just openly talking and that <laughs> a, a, and to and that is such a gift to people because mm. people are always wondering what people are thinking and just to have your depth of knowledge compare and to combine that with your your open sort of personal processing i mean mm, that's a gift man. that's a gift to people
0: that's a good way of putting it, it Thank would you, you say that's correct absolutely it's 100 percent correct i mean you're right it's it, it is an open pro. i like that you said that it, that's mm-hmm. It is open processing because yeah. I felt like okay, a podcast is different. This is not a lecture. This is not a class. This right. is we're, we're we're let's have some conversations. Yeah. And there is there's times where I'm just kind of like, um, uh, well, let me just process this because I fear. And when I started, I didn't even know who's going to be listening. I just figured, hey, if it's just my wife and my daughter listening, then perfect. <laughs> yeah. I just got to get this out and yeah. explain it. Yeah. And so yes, it is open processing. And you're right, I get a chance to sit down with some amazing. Folks yeah. like yourself you and process
1: to process with amazing exactly. people.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: <coughs> okay. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about this book. Okay, All so this right. book is coming out this summer, y'all. Yes. 300 pager mm-hmm. deep analysis. Oh, and there's mind. some terms that uh, yeah, I yeah. don't even I've never seen before. Okay. To be honest with you. So right. you kind of take it from the civil rights era and then and then you kind of talk about the soul era and then this post soul era era and mm-hmm. if you could go uh, what do you mean by each one of those things that's a good question go on there?
0: I mean I think well so I'll back up a little bit. So Mm -hmm. the the context is really looking at, so when I did my MA in intercultural communication, I really wanted to look at postmodern theory and postmodern philosophy, Mm -hmm. but I was really frustrated because most of the scholars in there were white cis males and they really never included, when they talk about this disruption that happened during the late 50s and and 60s, they never included the civil rights movement. Like, How are you going to leave that out? How are you going to leave the migrant farm workers movement, right, that started that, you know, that had family members participating in that. Um, So
1: what kind of disruption were they talking about? They
0: were talking about the hippie movement the shifting Mm -hmm. from this kind of binary state of mind which Mm -hmm. i would agree with Mm -hmm. there was a strong questioning of what's called the grand narrative the story that everybody can make it the story Mm -hmm. that you know people are um you know are what they make themselves the american dream i would give them that but they did not include the people who really started to usher that in which were ethnic minorities Mm. um and so I I read up on Nelson George, Mark Anthony Neal, and they were talking about something different. They were talking Mm -hmm. about this soul era and the post-soul era. And the way George Nelson describes it is that the soul era was really more like the boomer generation. (laughs) Now, I give different dates in the book, but Mm -hmm. um, they were the folks who were Marvin Gaye, Aretha Franklin, Stevie Wonder. These folks Mm -hmm. were, you know, uh, uh, Ray Charles. These folks were born and bred in the church. They still had the elders giving them the knowledge right Mm -hmm. but the post-soul era really started Mm -hmm. taking place in the late 60s early 70s this was the generation that was born without the malcolm x's without the martin luther kings Mm with that oh yeah this is the 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 dogs usually make an appearance on the kitchen,
1: by the way with three dogs and three cats yes a bunny in the back
0: then a bunny in the back right (laughs) yeah so they uh they they frequently make uh guest appearances on the podcast as i was just getting deep yeah, so yeah, the post-soul is really just the hip-hop generation, Gen X and, and moving forward, mm-hmm. that says we, we didn't grow up in that. We grew up in the womb of media culture. Yeah. We grew up in the womb of, of MTV. Yeah. Those, those folks came, came of age during the 70s and in the late 80s. Got it. Wow. And so, so that's that post-soul, soul yeah. era. And there's a difference. There's a discrepancy. And I would even say, too, now we...
1: Yeah, what are we in
2: now?
0: We're probably in the third iteration of that when you think about millennials, okay. not even millennials, Gen Y folks who yeah, were born yeah. after 1995, or really even young people. I think about the freshmen entering college this year mm-hmm. were born in the year 2000. Yeah. My daughter is born in 2006. So okay. these kids have already come up in an era of technology, yep. of media, of, mm-hmm. of, of the world being in a constant state of war. I had one student in class say, can you... They were doing a presentation. They said, can you imagine a world without technology? And <laughs> I was the only one who raised my hand. I was like, yeah. I was there. I was like, right. I remember rotary phones. There was no internet, you know, because they were talking about how, you know, how hard it would be to be without, you know, your Facebook or whatever. Yep. And I'm just like, right. I I yeah, remember I, the I remember. time without Facebook. Right. right.
1: <laughs> wow. That's, that's so interesting. Yeah. Okay. So you say... Uh, we need a church in the wild, a church that embraces a mission of complexity, mystery, ambiguity, and high concentrations of doubt. Yes. The same mindset that makes up large portions of this generation's ethos. Mm-hmm. So explain that a little bit more, because I think what strikes me about church today, and and um, I'm talking more the evangelical church, uh, that is my current context, although not forever. Why would people want complexity like why would go to why would people go to a church in the wild uh to have that's complex that's mysterious that don't, doesn't provide any answers that are clean yeah. cut yeah that are not providing this sort of like comfort and why would people want that
0: um i think that's a really good question i mean i think Part of it is I'm I'm deriving that from, you know, people that I have interviewed and 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 talked with who say that the current status of church is not it's it's too simplistic. It's too here's an answer, here's let's do this, let's, you know, churches usually have some kind of scriptural theme or whatever, or they'll proof text some, you know, chapter, we're gonna be doing this, you know, yep. Acts yep. chapter eight or acts ninety-two or whatever, you know, something crazy like that. Yep. When in the three reality, absolutely. The
1: three takeaways. It, right? Actions, the three
0: takeaways. Yeah. Uh-huh. And this generation is pushing against that. This generation, especially the ones who say, I'm not we're not going back. We're not going back. to You know, And if yeah. we do go back, it's not going to look like this. It needs to look much more because we don't. Right. Well, now that we understand the cosmos, we understand that there are complexity. I mean, even scientists will be like, we don't even understand this. Whereas mm-hmm. theologians will try to give you an answer for everything. Mm -hmm. That doesn't make any sense. Because it's like, if you have scientists who are studying these hard concepts of quasars and, uh, you know, um, um, magnetar stars and stuff, it's like, and they're even saying, we're not sure how this works. But then you get a theologian that says, no, but this is how Jesus is going to come. And this is how heaven is going to be. I'm like, nah, nah, hold it, son. So that's part of what I am wrestling with. It's, mm-hmm. It is, it is. I would say it's a grown folk faith, mm-hmm. but I think that's where a lot of the young folks are at. They're asking those hard questions. My daughter's asking questions yeah. uh, theologically that I wouldn't even thought about, wouldn't even grace my mind at age 11.
1: Wow, that's so that's so interesting. So the Church of the Future, the Church of the Wild is the place where you ask those questions. And somehow, since this is the generation that is being brought up sort of uh, having these questions and asking these grappling with, um, with questions. You're saying that that even having a culture or a church that sort of invites those questions that invites the wrestling that that invokes more questions even that that is sort of a church in the wild sort of
2: concept is that,
0: right yes yeah. well and i drive that the original title for this book i mean you know anybody who's written a book knows that you know you go through different iterations of titles yeah. and whatnot the original yeah, yeah. title was you know no church in the wild that was what i originally mm-hmm. wanted i like the mm-hmm. title now don't get me wrong homeland security. it's ringy it's catchy yes hopefully it'll sell um, but uh, you it's know, a shock. I, right?
2: It's a shocker.
0: Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I ain't, I ain't gonna be no Austin. I, 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 I probably won't get Brene Brown to, or Chelsea Clinton to uh to a retweet a <laughs> brother, You know what I'm saying?
1: If if you any of y'all are listening, that's right. Here's a chance
0: to do this. Is and I can get I can just make it on Oprah's book club list, <gasps> that wow. would be fantastic. Be it. I know. Yeah. I would be. I'd be. I'd be a great Negro. At any rate. <laughs> <laughs> at any rate. Um, that was the so I took the the, the title of the song from Jay Z and Kanye song, yeah. Uh, no church in the wild, and you know mm-hmm. Kanye stuff aside, talk about that mess, you know, mm-hmm. if you want. But <laughs> mm-hmm. that particular song stood out to me when I first heard it because I was just like, man, this is it, right? Like, what's mm-hmm. what's a king? to a non-believer what's a god to a non-believer what is if we're talking about all these things right we're profoundly talking about these you know epistemology and eschatology and pneumatology who the f cares <laughs> really i mean who cares if i don't believe in god the fundamental principle of what mm-hmm. we're supposedly not even
1: there in the first place right, right.
0: There's no church in the wild, and then of course Kanye comes in with the verse, and he's talking about the wild, like he's talking about sex, he's talking about you know uh, drug, having a good time, partying, all things that the church has issues with. Mm -hmm. We don't know how to have a good time. We dang sure don't have any concept around human sexuality. Mm -hmm. We have hidden rape. We have heard hidden incest. We have done all these things sexually, right? We we, Mm -hmm. we damage the LGBTQ community by telling them they're gonna burn in hell if they don't convert good night I mean so Kanye and Jay-Z are putting it they got the intellectual and they've got the cultural and they're asking where's the church in the wild and mm-hmm. so that was that was that whole introductory part and mm-hmm. in that I'm challenging us was what it what does this look like in the wild what does mm-hmm. do or do we dare move out from amongst the white conservative very particular theology and challenge ourselves
1: yeah yeah And I like how you define it in the book, a church that can sit with questions and doubt rather than answers and solutions, a church that disrupts its own thinking on race, gender, and class, a church that is able to transcend tradition, dogma, and rigid theological stances and push for relationships, community, and the mysterious enlightenment of who God is in this present age. Is there a church that can do that? You know, honestly, in reading those words, I'm thinking... Jesus did a lot of these things. I mean, he, he asked a lot of questions. He disrupted a lot of things. Um, he transcends, transcends. All these things are what Jesus did. And so when you're saying there's no church in the wild, I mean, have you seen glimpses of that anywhere? Have you come yeah. across? I mean, I know you were in L.A. Now you're here. Yeah. Have you seen glimpses of that? And like, what does that even look like?
0: I have. I mean, I think a lot of it is going to be non-traditional. I mean, they're on street corners. They're uh-huh. in pubs. They're in uh, people's living rooms. Uh-huh. They are, uh, you know, for better or for worse, is when people get high. You know, people always want to philosophize when they're on marijuana. You know, what I'm saying. I mean, in that, yeah. and I do think. I mean, there's something spiritual about that. I think our, our our Native American brothers and sisters knew something about. You know, what is what is that what does it mean to confront? I was listening to a podcast either. I'm forgetting the name of it, but they were talking about this new um, therapeutic approach to use uh, opioids to, uh, to, to help with depression, like severe depression and huh. severe anxiety and disorder. Yeah. And one of the things they said is they like, when, what happens, because you know, people were like, what happens when you have a bad trip? And they were like, we tell our clients that, this and they, again they're learning this from thousands of years of, of Native Americans. Like when you have a bad trip, you see a monster or something like that, you need to stand your ground and ask that entity, What do you have to teach me? What do you have to and you know and I've been trying to practice that even when I have nightmares, like let me stand in this and ask, what do you have to teach me? What is it that inside of me that I need to learn more of? That is something that we are not connected with because we're so in the head, we're not in the body enough we're not we're not in this embodiment of theology has not taken place we're just it's all about here it's all about the proof for the truth right it's like i gotta go defend the faith and for me i'm just like i'm done defending i'm done trying to believe something Mm -hmm. because give us another 30 years if our civilization lasts that long without a nuclear war and trump burning it all down to the ground. if, you know, we're going to be in a completely different place. I mean, people are talking about, you know, going to Mars in 2030. Mm-hmm. Um, so I study astronomy and astrophysics. Yeah, it's kind of my yeah, side gig. Yeah. Um, you know, I believe there's other lives. So, so when we find that's the tangible proof to mm-hmm. the public that there was a second Genesis story, mm-hmm. that is going to revolutionize all of our theological concepts, right? Because yeah. now we're going to have to question, who is God for real, Mm. there's life beyond that right because
1: exactly
2: yeah
0: because i think for me it's like there's there's plenty of evidence that shows that there was life on mars at one point something brutal happened now there isn't um but you know so what what does that mean right what does Mm. that mean what do we know about the dinosaurs people think all the dinosaurs were taken out and all this stuff like that right Mm. but if it was an asteroid what happened to all the, the 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 creatures in the sea Like, so again, there's things that just don't add up. So I think we, and those are the spaces and places that I think we're a, if we're able to sit with that, Mm -hmm. yes, I've seen some things like that. Mm -hmm. Now on the practical side, I've seen places like Phil Jackson and he does an amazing work here in Chicago at the house. Uh, You know, man, Phil is doing amazing things and I mean, you rarely ever hear about Phil Jackson and what he's doing. Mm -hmm. He is helping young men get jobs he is helping young people uh in general lead better lives he is engaging Mm -hmm. with the violence in that community he is Mm -hmm. he is putting folks in pragmatic positions to succeed rather than just quote-unquote giving the gospel even though that is the gospel rather than you know what i'm saying yeah so anyway so that's kind of i hope that answers your question yeah
1: yeah that's great um i man when you're talking about that study with the opioids that reminds me of my music therapy background. I, mm. I have a background in music therapy. There you go. Come on. That's my first career. Come on. First career, y'all. Um, but there is this whole branch of music therapy that came out of the 70s mm-hmm. where they were trying to imitate. And maybe this has something to do with hip hop. So, okay, this may be a stretch. Bear with me. <laughs> I'm but, with you. Okay, there's this whole branch of music therapy called guided imagery and music. Okay. And what they were doing is, um, back then, the whole drug was um, acid. Okay. I guess among more white people. Okay. Yeah. So let's just say that was acid. <laughs> right, 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 and, right. Uh, and so what they tried to do in rehab was to mimic the effects of acid, a trip, mm-hmm. through music. So using music to stimulate this sort of state of being, just accessing your subconscious and and sort of uh, freeing up your creative mind and sort of like the depths of your mind and accessing your subconscious in a very therapeutic healing way without actually taking acid. Okay. So I wonder... I don't know like hip-hop for me so i love i'm not a connoisseur like you by any means but oh i'm sorry it's all good but i i really i love rap i love i love hip-hop yeah um, and i love the lyrics and i love i just love how it transcends everything because it's all the senses in one you're thinking you're feeling you're listening your brain is being changed by the music and the words right so I just wonder if that has something to do with the like accessing some part of absolutely. your brain that absolutely. is just saying like, hey, time absolutely. to ask these questions. Hey, absolutely. is this like a Jesus thing? Yes. Is, where is God in all of this? And yes. sort of accessing yes. that part of yourself. Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Got it. Got yes. it. Oh, I love this conversation. Okay. Um, I love it. I love
0: you got questions prepared too. This is this is awesome.
1: <laughs> well, so, I mean, somewhat. Um, I think that's because of Willow, to be honest. (laughs) Um, So let's just get into some personal questions. So you said that there's a story behind why you wrote this
0: book. Yes. Let's hear this story. Well, I mean, all right. So I was contracted with this book um, well before the 2016 election. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was, you know, I mean, how can I put it? I think... My, it was
1: before the twenty sixteen election? Before
0: the twenty sixteen election that I was contracted ah, to write this. Okay. And so I had started it, I had a different idea, I had a completely different approach. I bet. Like the outline that I had given. Um, and I can, you know, I can show you that outline. I mean, the outline that I sent in that was approved, yeah. it's not what this book ultimately is. Mm. Um I had written a book, the uh, Hip Hop's Hostile Gospel, and that was with Brill Academic, and that was probably mm. One of the most challenging, in a good way, books to write because, you know, the editorial board was was like they're like these hardcore Marxists and, you know, humanists. And so they challenged me to get rid of the evangelical language in my writing. Oh, um, wow. And that started me on a journey of like, wow, if this is here. And I thought I'd already purged that. I need to look at this even further. I need wow. to go into this. Yeah and really take it out it's too religiously as yeah. they would put it it's like it's just that's too much religion talk wow. and i'm like wow okay i need to i need to yeah, check that out I so you had
1: it filtered and exactly
0: yeah. and so i was writing this book i just didn't feel good about it um you know with all the stuff that's happening with trayvon mike brown all the you know black bodies that are just being killed mm-hmm. and so i started on it and then you know trump gets elected and i was just like you know what I scrapped the whole thing. I was about 150 pages in and I was just like, I can't, this is Mm. crap. I can't write this. Mm. So I redid the entire book Mm -hmm. and, um, I was just like, I got to do it. And my editor at the time, David Condon, who I've had on the show, he was the first guest for season two. Uh, so if y'all haven't listened to it, go back and listen to brother David, Dr. David Condon. He was my editor at the time and he was just, and he even told me this isn't, this doesn't like he was reading like certain proofs He's like you gotta you gotta go deeper he said i want more black lives matter i want more stuff on race and so that for me i went back in and really just wrote from my heart Mm. and tried to really etch a story grounded in research and theory Mm -hmm. uh that really represented where we're at right now Mm. now he would go on to get fired because some people at intervarsity thought that his you know, writings were too universal, the too universalist. He's a universalist. And so not everybody's yeah. going to, you hell. Know, somebody has to go to hell, right? You know, it's like somebody has to burn <laughs> somebody, has to- somebody. And it's not going to be me, but somebody. It. Just go that. to hell. Yeah. And so I was, I was, I was like, man, this is, this is pissing me off. So like, you know, a bunch of us authors got together and wrote IVP and I was just like, you know, I'm, I'm done. I'll go to Rutledge. I'll go to Yale. Okay. I'll go to Oxford. No, 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 no. We yeah. want you to stay. We want you to ask Okay. If I stay, I'm going to write the book that I want. Ah. And they were like, all right. And so that, and then, and
1: they conceded to that. They were open to that.
0: Yeah. Well, then Al, Al, um, his last name Shu. Shout
1: out to Al Shu. Yeah, Al Shu,
0: man. He was the one who was just like, Oh, we're gonna do this. Yeah. He was gonna, we're gonna do this." And. So that's, and yeah, and I wrote it. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I could tell on some of the readers, you know, when he was proof texting, they, they were white, right? Because they were like, are you sure you want to say this? Are you sure you want to say <laughs> that Black Lives Matter is more holier than any white evangelical church? I was like, hell yeah, I want to say that.
1: I like your white imitation voice, yeah, by no, the way. It's, it's all
0: Richard Pryor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. So yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. I just, I, I yeah, I was... I, I wanted to write the book. So that was kind of the background of that. I scrapped mm-hmm. the entire first draft. Cause I was just like, this is, this right. isn't representative of what's right. going on. Right. And I wanted to write a book that didn't give answers.
1: That is so good. That is so good. Uh, because I was going to ask you, you know, I, even me, I mean, I'm tempted to ask, so what is, you know, you say that there's no church in the wild, like what mm-hmm. is the hope? A- and it's not that there is hope, right? Cause that's exactly what this book is about. It's, you have to continue to wrestle with this. And yes. so it's more about your conclusions of the book, right. which I'm not going to repeat, I'm not going to say here because <laughs> we want people to actually read the book, but the book began this way, y'all. Like these quotes that I'm reading, this is just the beginning. So please go out and get this book. There you go. IVP, academic, because it is very academic. And what I love, <laughs> I love the tables, I love the charts. I'm a very visual person, oh, good. I'm coming to find. Good. Very helpful. I mean, did you come up with those yourself? Yes. Oh, they're so good. Well, thank you. I love it.
0: Thank you. I'm visual too. That's why I wanted to. I was Mm -hmm. even, again, Mm -hmm. processing. I'm like, well, let me process through a table or a figure or something.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, the title of your podcast is Profane Faith. So Mm -hmm. this Mm -hmm. this is your definition that you give in the book. Yes. So the profane, the process of deconsecrating that which was once considered consecrated and sacred. The funk and the treacherous or those areas in a society labeled or given the designation of being outside the given morals, codes, ethics, and values established as good or right.
2: Mm. There you go.
1: I mean, (laughs) mean, where's the emoji (laughs) of the brain going like this? That's just one sentence out of it. I mean, I highlighted... I must have violated every other sentence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, you're I'm, too much, Angie. You're no, too much. I'm thank serious. You. I'm
1: so, I'm not trying to gush, but I. No, but well, thank sort you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean this this is just so needed in this time to have these terms sort of looked at in an academic way, but that hits hard in an mm. emotional, mental sort of way. Mm. That kind of it has that effect, mm. right? Because they're they're very they're very factual, they're very academic, but it hits you in that way. Um, So you said also, when combined, the sacred, secular, and the profane, we have a rich and complex intersection of a faith holding the three elements in tension. Mm -hmm. I love that. So again, this is just going back to that notion of the notion of, continuing to wrestle and having this culture of cultivating that sort of questioning that hip-hop does so well, Mm -hmm. that hip-hop does so well, who are your favorite hip-hop artists?
0: (laughs) Oh, man.
1: And I know you're like a West Coast, you come from the West Coast, and then there's East Coast, so, and then everything in between.
0: Well, I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, I think... So, I like a lot of old school artists. I mean, I love MC yeah. Light. I mean, she was one of the really the first female MCs mm. that I saw. Mm. I saw her in concert back when mm-hmm. I was a kid, and I was like, oh my gosh, Yeah, MC Light? Yeah. Uh, you know, I loved what uh, Salt and Pepper did for the game, <gasps> you know, and how they created uh, yeah. Roxanne, you know, the real Roxanne, and she was an amazing mm-hmm. lyricist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think about Eric B. and Rakim. Uh, yes. Big Daddy Kane. I mean, these were some of the folks that I was listening to growing up. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because it was like that type of music. I didn't necessarily like the beats as much as I loved the, the, the lyrics. Hmm. East Coast beats in the 80s were very simple. They were just like, you know, a kick, a drum, a snare, maybe yeah. a horn or two. Yeah. What I fell in love with West Coast music because it was melodic. And so I'm as a musician, I'm I, wow. I love melodic tunes. And so, yeah. you know, when I first heard... Um, Dre's work and N.W.A. or even you know Ice Cube's, it was like mm-hmm. oh this 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 has a, a a surround sound to it in 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 mm-hmm. the sense that it's it has there's harmony to it. It's like mm-hmm. the whole G Funk era in the '90s mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So of course Tupac, I'm biased, but mm-hmm. you know I did my mm-hmm. whole dissertation on him. Um, mm-hmm. And then um, you know Nas uh, was was good. I mean I think he's still good. I think he's in, he's interesting where he's at now, but I think I mean he's still good. <laughs> um, and uh, what was I thinking? Oh, uh, Mob Deep. Was, was, uh, uh, was really yeah. good especially their uh-huh. first album i think you know shook ones i mean that, that that's amazing yeah. um j cole uh, i love j cole um mm-hmm. kendrick uh i like Kanye stuff man but you know like i always say 2003 2005 you know that's it you know yeah, that's that, that, era. That's, that just,
1: era just that just that time window <laughs>
0: um and okay. uh, of course kendrick i mean you can't leave kendrick out um he's amazing but you're going to see him so I'm, I'm, I'm jealous.
1: Oh, I'm Man. so excited. You Jealousy. should be jealous. I be am. jealous. Be jealous. I am. be
0: following <laughs> your Instagram that night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes. Please follow me on Instagram and see the whole entire concert, which right. I'll probably put on my stories.
0: Yes. It's
1: so good. Um, I was going to ask something else. Um, I'm really glad that you started out with the females. Um, because I was as I was reading, I was like, oh, there's got to be – there's gotta be some females in this mix and some women. And yeah. And what would you say? Cause a lot of these concepts that you're thinking about kind of triggered my memories of reading some womanist theology yeah. and there's a lot of overlap. Yeah. Um, have you done sort of like a, I don't know, an analysis or like looking at the sort of intersections of that and like women, hip hop, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm literally throwing this at you right now.
0: Um. <laughs> I have not. Done, what, what you're asking is is great. I mean, I haven't done a direct analysis of that. I mean, mm-hmm. I definitely draw from people like Dr. Will Gaffney, Carrie mm-hmm. Day, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, oh, spacing on her name, Kelly Brown Douglas. Mm-hmm. Um, these are womanists. Uh, Dr. Velder Love, Reverend Dr. Velder Love, yes. that I have. You
1: had her on the show. Gl- yes, yeah, yes, and that's a you good know, episode.
0: I. Oh, thank you. Um, these are women that i have leaned up against to you know to to their knowledge i mean that's a that that could be the next book right analysis of interweaving all of that i mean that could be hey there it is there it is
1: just remember give credit where credit's due i'll put
0: it right in the front (laughs) angie Hong, you said it she willed this book into power
1: i do want to go back to your mentioning of nwa because when you said that i i have memories so i'm i'm not black
0: Oh what I
1: i know (laughs) <laughs> i am i'm korean and i grew up in a um amongst an immigrant community okay so like a lot of immigrants that came over in the 70s uh-huh. past 65 after the immigration act um so a lot of them were sort of academics or had the money to move over mm-hmm. um and some didn't, and they came over because they had nowhere else to go. And my parents fit into that latter category. Okay. So my parents are not academics. They're not educated. Um, so, and and our immigrant community, our Korean church was kind of the same crowd. It was sort of that same crowd. And so the kids, the second generation Korean American kids, we were all in a youth group together and we were all learning about God and we were singing these, you know, hill songs, but then on the side, because of all that we were going through to survive and make it in America, we were listening to rap R and B. I mean, I'm a child of the nineties it was all there right because those (laughs) lyrics i feel like those really spoke to our experience and the things that we were really struggling with okay and um in atlanta at the time so around the time i'm really dating myself y'all but around the time of middle school high school is when the asian gang started to really rise especially in atlanta Uh and so i was um you know, dating a guy who was in a in a gang, in oh, an Asian gang. Angie. All
0: right. Come and on. It's all
1: coming out. Come and on. And I just remember him just memorizing. Yeah. Just the li- like he could spout him out. Mm-hmm. all the lyrics to NWA and yeah. just all the trouble that they got into and and then later they, you know, um they actually went to um they actually went to prison and just it was so weird because, you know, Around the same time as when the whole passion stuff started with like Chris Tomlin and yeah. uh, Andy Stanley, and so you have like they we go to church. I'm <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. We go to church. We we yeah. sing all these songs that sound almost like country songs, y'all. <laughs> praise and worship songs and then like we would go out and play basketball mm-hmm. and like listen to like totally different music and yeah. it was like the coexistence of these two things because we weren't exposed to anything else as christ followers we we hmm. were not exposed to different music absolutely we were not exposed yes. to different voices absolutely. and that's kind of how this that's kind of how i grew up as a second generation um at least in my in my community korean mm-hmm. um american immigrant society so
0: what part of the world was this in or what part of the country or what part of yeah where were you at geographically growing up atlanta atlanta okay that's right that's right. yeah i grew up in atlanta
1: suburbs okay then we would have these you know korean churches so we would drive in from all over to Mm -hmm. to have our you know korean community yeah and then the kids were just exposed to all sorts of spiritual formation which is why i'm passionate about sort of my next step right so i right. kind of want to step into that yes. kind of void of voices absolutely um, if i could be so bold as to say that but Heck yeah i, I really I, I am really passionate about that i wish my whole thing is what would i say to angie from 10 20 years ago mm. who loved jesus yes didn't know wasn't exposed to other ways
0: well, well let me ask you this one when were you when were you introduced to christ or were, was it just always yeah. was christ always just there
1: no. Um, well, we always went to church, okay. right? Because immigrants, that's how they find their community is you go to church. Yeah, They had their own hierarchy mm-hmm. as in like the elders. The pastors were sort of like the president. And okay. then you got the elders right. yeah. that were the governance. And <laughs> you know, you had that whole hierarchy because you have to establish that somewhere if you're not going to get it yeah. in american society that's right Um, so we did that but i didn't really come become a christian until i went to a youth retreat that was created specifically for korean american um second gen Hmm. it's called living water retreat shout out to living water UMC retreat in the southeast Um, and uh that's where i accepted jesus christ okay and ever since then that's it's been on yeah it's been on ever since then that's what's up Yeah, so that's my sort of beginning of my story but I I wish you know a lot of the books that we're reading this is the joke that I tell like one day I woke up and I realized that all the books that Mm -hmm. I read all the pastors that I loved all the worship music that I listened to it was Mm -hmm. all white males yes white males and Beth Moore (laughs) Moore. (laughs) shout out to Beth Moore I don't know what she did to get there but yeah right. So that's how, that's how I grew up.
0: You'd be interested. It was Michael W. Smith was at uh, North Park yesterday. There you was go. Was he really? Yeah, was. he sure was.
1: And that's the thing. I mean, how old is Michael W. Smith? <laughs> yeah, he, Let's just like talk that, about this for a minute. That brother so old. instead like, of looking for new voices and different voices, yeah. we start going back. I mean, no offense to Michael of W. Smith. Of course not. Of course. I mean, my place in this world changed my life. No. But I... I But I just I I wonder about that. Like you'd rather recycle and go back, yeah, Yeah. and like sort of go back to these same old voices instead of finding new ones. And I I think that's really fascinating. It is is fascinating. With him, no,
0: absolutely, no, yes, yeah, yes, yeah. What what about singing? I mean, has it always been a talent? Were you born this way? Did you go to (laughs) school? Did you? No, because seriously, some people just I mean, just come out the womb singing. And so I'm just I'm curious. Yeah, where does voice come from?
1: uh so I music has always been a part you know because I don't want to say typical I don't want to say that's typical because it's not typical to everybody but a lot of Korean kids are forced to <laughs> learn music <laughs> okay. either the piano or the violin <laughs> okay and then in Atlanta as an extra bit there was the Atlanta uh, Korean children's choir okay and it was just forming and I joined that and that was a part of my singing sort of thing and then um and then i studied music i was in the acapella group so i guess it was just always a part of my life music has always been a part of my life okay yeah um i hated practicing oh yeah i didn't love practicing until halfway through college but i hated it. i never practiced um and yeah and then it just clicked so it, it there's there's a lot of stories where Most people come to me and say, oh, you were a music major? Man, my deepest regret is I never, you know, I never Hmm. kept it up. Mm. 90% of people tell me that. Yeah. Because it is super frustrating and people hate practicing because it's extremely technical. It is. But I swear, people that stick with it, something clicks. It does. And then you never want to be away from it. And that's that's my story, I guess.
0: That's yeah. it's very familiar to me. I mean, I grew up playing piano. I never sang. I wish I I wish I'd learned how to sing. I sing in the shower, but that's about it. I mean. And
1: you've recorded albums because I've seen all your gear in your basement. So, okay, <laughs> we got to do a hunt for these albums, y'all.
0: There are there are a few out there. In fact, I gotta I gotta go back through my CD collection because there's a, there's a couple of them there. They're still shrink wrapped, but it was all <laughs> underground stuff, '90s. I mean, I, I think the it. claim to fame was. Um, you know, what is it, nineteen ninety nine E Eternal. Um, the um Oh, it's spacing me now. It was it came out in nineteen ninety-five. It was uh or not. Was it wasn't ninety six. Man, I'm spacing it now. Um Man, I know somebody out there listening to this right now saying, It's
2: it's this It's this
0: group. Oh <laughs> nice. man, who was it? Bone Thugs and Harmony. There you go.
1: Ah, uh, yeah.
0: So yes. Yeah, no, I mean you're right. I mean I think Because in my fundamentalism years, I, you know, walked away from all this and thought it was secular and was like... Okay,
1: so you did do that. I did. A lot of people did that. Absolutely. You were one of those. I was one of those. Was that hard to do?
0: At the time, yes and no, but it was more no because this is God's will. Oh, you were convicted. I was convicted. Yeah. And But later on, I was like, wow. And by the time I wanted to get back into music, I'm already in the academy, yeah. working towards tenure, working, trying to just work in general. Mm. And I always promised myself, I was like, man, when I make it to tenure, I'm going to return to my first love, which is music. I mean, I grew up playing and, you know, just recording, just rudimentary things. Yeah. And when I got tenure, that was when, that's when this whole podcast thing started going. I was like, I'm, I'm getting back into it. I promised myself and I'm going to, I'm going back to it. So you're right. It never leaves. Yeah. It never leaves. It's yeah. always been there. It's so like, I can yeah. hear certain things. I can hear certain things. I was like, I got to get that out. Yeah. It's in there. I got to get it out. Yeah. So
1: that's so good. That's so <laughs> wait. So talk about your return back to, so you, you threw all your stuff, you know, you're like, this, yeah. is, this is worldly. Absolutely. So wh- what was the process in the awakening of getting it back?
0: Well, I think when I got married, you know, I was part Mm -hmm. of a Seventh-day Adventist community, an African-American Seventh-day Adventist community, and we were very fundamental. We were very conservative.
2: Yeah.
0: Theologically, politically, of course, everybody was like, Clinton this and, you know, Clinton that. Oh, yeah? You know know what I'm saying? It's it's an interesting phenomenon, particularly within the African-American community. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, they're very—we're very theologically conservative. Okay. You know, okay. so on that part, we would you know same sex marriage. We're Fox News, absolutely. You know, when it comes to race stuff, no, no, no. no you know what I'm saying? And so, it's just interesting. And so, when I got married, my mm-hmm. wife was white. She was not Adventist. She was Baptist. She came from Baptist background. Um, yeah. and
1: like Southern Baptist background. I think it was
0: just General Baptist. She's from Min- she, Minneapolis. Okay. okay. And okay. Uh, she attended Wooddale. I don't know if you're familiar with Wooddale. you out in Edina. Mm-hmm. Um. But at any rate, she, Mm -hmm. uh, spoke her mind. She stood her ground and that was not what women in my community did. Mm -hmm. They followed men. They were subject to men. They were, you know, they Uh, were the Korean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, that's a
1: whole other conversation. That is, yeah. I was
0: about to say that's, that's something right there. (laughs) I could unpack that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, and, and so long story short, because it's a long one, it's, it, you know, it, that's what started it. Uh, the mentor, my mentor who was mentoring me at the time was just like, you know, it, you know, how come she, you know, it's just, there it, it was just all these questions that he had for me and I was already starting to like question, why do we do this? And why do we do that? And, you know, so there was already crossing friction. So mm-hmm. I got fired from my job. I got fired from Young Life and got fired and she was working for me and she got fired too. So that, mm-hmm. that started this oh process gosh. Of wow. dealing with excommunication dealing with suffering, dealing with kind of this oppression yeah. that coincided with me going back to grad school and, and really applying myself to, to reading and, and yes. learning. Yes,
1: yes and, and, and you gotta tell that story because I know you say that in the book like you wrote your, it was like a thesis or something, it was a, it was a whole paper Yeah. and they made you write it again? Or? Yes,
0: yeah I turned it, right, it was on, it was a class on the history of Christian missions <laughs> and the final you had to document a Christian mission movement. Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Perfect." I'm gonna talk about hip hop. <laughs> oh man, it was <laughs> naturally shut down. Yeah, shut down. Yeah. So I had to pick some other thing. I picked Young Life, I think, or something crazy like that. And even that was questionable. So
1: similar, really. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: Wow. Well, that's. I mean, but that's the thing, right? It's like when people get blindsided by this is the way it has to be. Mm-hmm. When I applied to that program at Fuller. They one of the on, thing on the application says, you know, how many years of cross cultural or intercultural mm-hmm. experience, ministry experience you've had, and I was like, shoot, I'm nigga in America. Say, like, shoot, since <laughs> I came out the womb, I've been an intercultural, <laughs> and I I put that in there. I didn't <laughs> use nigga but I was just like, I was like, I, you know, and and they denied it. I was I was denied into the program because they were like, no, you haven't had intercultural. I was like, wait, what? Oh wow. It, well, no yeah, where have you been outside of the country? I was like, I'm a black man, so I had to like do a whole petition and everything and you know finally obviously they let me in. yeah, but that's that's part of that, right.
1: That's that emotional labor. That's that oh, yes. white supremacy sort Absolutely. of labor at work there. Absolutely. I mean, it's just an extra step. It's it, always this extra step. I know. And it was
0: another Korean woman who was, who was holding me back.
1: Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah, no, no, no. no. I, well, no,
0: I know, just, we're
1: conservative, too.
0: No, no, no. I mean, yeah, well, I remember walking into the... Because I wanted to go into the Hispanic Studies program. And I remember oh. walking into that, and they were like, literally, what are you doing here? <laughs> that was their first thing. As soon as I walked in, I was like, oh, I was like, I'm here to do you want to learn more about the learn, Hispanic studies yeah. re- why
2: interesting <laughs> like,
0: you gotta be kidding me oh man and then i flipped it on them and spoke spanish and they're like oh mm-hmm. you're you know and i was like ah forget it now i'm done." yeah you yeah. Know? yeah so you're right that extra labor of being multi-ethnic inter-ethnic mm-hmm. and then it pains me when i have to deal with white supremacy from people you know who look like me or or yeah. or similar to me and i know you've probably experienced some crazy stuff so why can't we just, you know,
1: yeah, just have some
0: camaraderie around that? But
1: and I think, I think wisdom, right, is deciding how far back into the meta narrative you mm-hmm. have to go right. in order to analyze the situation. If something just happened to you, or right. if there's a microaggression that just happened, or if there's, you know, an injustice like mm-hmm. the situation you just mentioned, you have to decide for yourself like how far back in the whole story do you you have to go and, you know, right. how much of that lies under the surface all the time. Right. You know, and because for some people, you can't name it because you'll get into mm-hmm. more trouble. And mm-hmm. that affects your pay. That affects your Absolutely. welfare. Absolutely. That affects, I mean, you know, the fact that you and your wife got fired. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's all a part of it. That's your mm-hmm. livelihood. So yep. it's like this constant wrestling. Um, I want to go back to the book for a minute because there's so many good nuggets. Yes. And then we Ask don't have away. to. Yeah. Ask um, away. so. You have this, you don't, so you say, I don't stay from the position in this book. Hip-hop provides a space for this generation of youth and emerging adults to, one, find God in a contextual manner, two, have room for lament, ambiguity, doubt, and the profane, and three, find diversity within Christianity and remain true to their own cultural heritage. hmm so you, you say that it provides a space for the generation of youth and emerging adults. And yeah. I would say for me as well, like in the nineties, that's kind of, it was sort of an outlet for a lot of people in the nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so what happens when people grow up? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so like Jay-Z yeah. all grown up, absolutely, you know? absolutely. enjoying the riches, it, yes, enjoying he is. the success. I mean, so what, ha- like, what happens to people that grow up like with this hip hop? Do they do they carry it? Do you find that people sort of get? Do they move out to the suburbs? <laughs> oh, I mean, what do you think?
0: Seriously. I mean, no, that's a good question. I mean, I think. It's a mixture, right? I mean, you know, mm-hmm. it's uh, you know, got to
1: find a job. You got right? to, you know, some, some people get married, they have kids,
2: and
0: I mean, you know. I'd use myself for example. It's yeah. like, you know, I, you know, I, I had to pick a career. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, the music thing ain't gonna work. So at one point, I mean, this is what I threw myself into: is the music. I'm gonna make yeah. it. I'm gonna blow it up. Blah blah. blah mm-hmm. You know, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute, <laughs> this is harder <laughs> than I thought. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I mean, I'm a professor and. You know, I, yeah, I mean, I got a house. So it's just like, okay, you got to work for that. You got to save up for that. So I do think there's some things, adulting, as the millennials would say, right? It's like that you have to do. It's non-negotiable. At the same time, there are core principles. Like I consider myself hip hop not necessarily because I rap or even produce music that's mm-hmm. hip hop related. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's part of it. That's almost an after effect. It's but it's a, it's a worldview. It's a, it's yeah. a, an understanding how to yeah. hip hop is my cultural it's 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 like a cultural bandana. You can you can wear it. It's part of who yeah. I am. It's part of of, of how I live. And so yeah. that is how I've seen 40 somethings and younger for that matter, as you grow up, you know, de- engaging with it, like, mm-hmm. Oh man, you know, we hip hop, we, we down, you know, we know this, mm-hmm. you still have to be whoever you go to be. Um, but mm-hmm. at the core of who you are, it's like, this is, this is hip hop. So I, that's yeah. how I see it. I carry it as a, uh, or really as a, I don't know, a central, what do you call it? Like a reactor. It's a, it's mm-hmm. my, my reactor is hip hop and mm. and 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 so that's kind of what i i live out of mm-hmm. and because i'm a christian that's then that is infused with that as well mm. and so my faith comes at it from a, from a hip-hop perspective so as i'm seeing it people who again do this um are able to live it now of course some people live it out you know grow out of it and they're like oh that was just what i did as a kid right but what about the core values of what hip-hop is i get right. that the music is gonna get old right but the culture remains
1: yeah the music is the expression right? exactly uh is there is there part of that that feels some sort of responsibility to that younger generation the younger absolutely. generation the emerging absolutely right absolutely is part of that is sort of Absolutely. i mean that's shepherding right? absolutely. absolutely i'm like intermixing these weird yes. things together it no. feels really weird to me
0: oh it does
1: <laughs> I, I don't know why <laughs> to like fuse shepherding with hip-hop I, yes. don't, I don't know
0: i like it i like yeah. it yeah yeah no absolutely really i think that's important you know because a lot of young folks there's a, there's a loss of history with those who are particularly under the age of 20 right now mm-hmm. um there is a loss of cultural DNA that's missing because we haven't had the elders to be able to sit there and tell us this is what's happened. So it's easy to think every power 100 station that is playing hip hop is true hip hop.
1: True. Yep.
0: And it's easy Mm -hmm. to think then that, you know, hip hop is really, just as big as, you know, maybe Dr. Dre, you know, it's like, that's an elder. It's like, okay, that's as big as, so not understanding yeah. the broader thing. It's, it's, yeah. it's helping some young people figure out that this is a broad, broad history yeah. um, that you can trace all the way back to fifth and sixth century Africa. If you really do the work. Oh
1: wow. You went there. That's so good. <laughs> so good. I love that. Yeah.
0: So yes, there is a, at least for me, I feel that, but and not a, um, I don't want to beat down people with it. Cause the other thing is I don't want to become a hip hop fundamentalist or a hip hop conservative.
1: Right. Cuz you, know you what I'm could saying? go, yeah, you could be dogmatic with it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that if I dare say, mm-hmm. that's part of where some of the old school heads have have ended up, some of them. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. they're bashing some of the new stuff so bad mm-hmm. that it's mm-hmm. um sorry, my Greta is here trying to get on the mic too. <laughs> um I wish you had more visuals. Um This cat
1: is so cute. This
0: cat, yeah, I'm sorry. We just on the table. they just yeah, they have no shame. Um <laughs> But that's just it. I don't, I don't want to fall into that because I do want to make room for new material mm-hmm. and new expressions of the culture. Yeah. I don't want to tell them what that was told to me. Mm-hmm. This isn't art. This isn't music. It's just a bunch of people talking and, you know, and it's like mumbling. So it's like, I want to be, I'm more critical of the content rather than the actual style. If you're talking about women as bees and hoes, I'm going to come at you mm-hmm. irregardless. Even if it's situated, I mean, that's one of the problems I have with NWA. It's like, I appreciate their social awareness, but gosh, dogs, it is, it is is misogynist.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Who, who would you say is a good emerging voice today, right now?
0: (sighs) Definitely J. Cole Kendrick. Um, Mm -hmm. I like Cardi B. I think she's got some good stuff. I think, right. you know, she's trying to figure some some things out. Uh-huh. I do like Nikki. I know some people will be like, Nikki. I do like <laughs> Nikki for several reasons. One, she's a smart businesswoman. Mm-hmm. We may not agree with all that. I think and I like her. She
1: has a clear brand. She does. She has, absolutely. That is for sure.
0: Sorry, thought I had put You're that good? on You're vibrate. Good? No. Mike another. Um
1: so Nikki has a clear
0: brand. Nikki has a clear brand and she embodies she embodies a sense of hip-hop that I don't think a lot of other female MCs have tried to go down, right?
1: And what is that?
0: She's that embodied is? her own her own body as as, body. as a yeah, as a and, and she isn't as is like um I guess I, she isn't as like when her first when she first came out. Obviously, it was just everywhere, right? Yes. Now it's 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 a little different, but I mean, you know, she hey, she's got staying power, right? I mean, she's still around.
1: Yeah. Um, her collaborations are interesting. Yes. I mean, she was on a gospel album, right? Wasn't is she on Tasha? Yeah. Uh, is that Tasha Cobbs? I, I don't know whose don't album know. she was yeah. recently on, but I was like, okay,
0: right. <laughs> and I do think that somebody like Missy Elliott is. I wish you could uh, have another Missy Elliott because Missy Elliott. Revolutionized hip yeah. hop in the late '90s. Yeah, her videos, her the way she raps, the way she puts things together. I mean, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. she's amazing. So I still listen to mm-hmm.
1: her. Did she grow up? I mean, where where is she?
0: <laughs> I think she has grown up. I mean, I th- yeah. she's doing a lot of you know background work, working with young artists, Got working it. with stylists. That's, I mean, that's great. That's and that's so the thing. Great. The smart folks have gone on. I mean, Ice Cube always said. I like to use other people's money to do my projects, you know, and he's learned how to do that. Ice-T, yeah. the same thing. He's learned yeah. how to market these things and build. Will Smith is another example of that, right?
1: Hmm.
0: He's built. Is he? <laughs> I
1: think, I mean, I'm kidding. I'm- no,
0: I know what you mean. I mean,
2: yeah.
0: yes. I mean, the question, the big question is, as a, you know, as a CCD person, it's like, well, how's this money going to come back to the community? But <laughs> it's for another
1: that's for, yeah, conversation. That's another conversation. <laughs> um okay that that is like most of my questions i can keep going um, oh i mean you're like, fine we're
0: at 56
1: oh wow minutes okay. but
0: okay, i'm i'm fine okay did you want to do any kind of introduction talk about north korea do you want I me mean, yes you...
1: yes yes okay oh yes i forgot about this did you want to ask me any questions or should i just talk about north korea
0: did yeah totally j- 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 just go, go in yeah just go in just go in on it.
1: okay so we are recording on the morning after or right after um kim jong-un met with our president uh in america and personally i'm still really processing all of this information i can't believe my eyes right these two sort of dictators i guess you could say dictator if i could be so bold
0: yes um, say it on
1: our side (laughs) you know, coming together after they have blasted each other, after they've said all sorts of derogatory things about each other and about the countries, to then come do this awkward handshake that turns into smiles, that turns into, this is going to be a great relationship, we're going to work towards denuclearization. Mm -hmm. I grew up, a a lot of my relatives are still in Korea. I have many friends whose Dads or moms have entire other families that they left behind in the war in North wow. Korea. Wow. And so whenever we hear some sort of threats that North North Korea makes yeah. uh growing up, we we get scared, but then we're so desensitized because it would happen every generation. Mm-hmm. It would happen every four or five years, uh, mostly around the US and doing their stuff. Hmm. Um, that it just we just became really desensitized. Yeah. Um, there were a couple times where I was like, "Oh my gosh, I really need to pray for North Korea." And then it would, you know, and then they would threat, and then they would step back. Yeah. And so when I'm seeing this, a part of me is really suspicious. I don't, I I don't know how it's all going to work out. It's still fresh information. A lot of my friends feel the same way, like they don't trust it all the way. They can't believe it's happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the news can't believe it's happening, right? But what I do notice is that. While these two sort of dictator sort of egomaniac-driven <laughs>
2: yeah. people are, yeah.
1: are having a pissing contest.
2: Pretty much let's just say pretty much
1: You have millions of lives that are at stake. Yes. They are the they're the ones at risk, and it's a very fragile time every time these things happen. Um, so they're having their pissing contest. Everybody's just intention all the time about this and Mm -hmm. that's what really saddens me is the effect on the people is not really considered women and children and lives and all all these people that are that are living in these countries right even china even you know could all be affected just by this pissing contest
0: right right it's child's play it is
1: that's really dangerous and so that's that's what's going through my head right now um so yeah i'm highly suspicious
2: i am too i have yet to
1: see i know that even i listen to the daily podcast every day and i know that some of the analysis has been like hey this is this is actually something that trump i mean gotta give him credit he's the first u.s president to ever shake the hand of a north korean president um so I'm not really sure what to do. I, I don't know
0: what um, I don't know. Well, I guess I got a couple of questions. I mean, so one is the way this story is going to be spun, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. right, you've got first US sitting president to go yep. to North Korea, yep. Um. even though Obama was talking about it. and But they bashed him so bad. You know, it's like, whatever. Yeah. But is yeah. is somebody was saying this the other day, and I don't know the history and that's mm-hmm. you're here. You're very knowledgeable what is has south korea done a lot more work that we just haven't seen because the credit is going to go to trump that he has now brought these together they're already pushing the, the right is already pushing for a nobel peace prize to be given to trump
1: isn't that interesting
0: yes uh, keep
1: going yeah no, no
0: no i mean that's and that's just it. i mean is has, has there's a lot this, this seems to me that there's a lot more that's going on behind the scenes that we don't even know about but now it's being pitched as, oh, this is Trump. This is all Trump. It's because of him. He's the only one who could have done it. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who could have sat down with Kim Jong-un. Mm-hmm. When I look at it, it's just like, both these cats are dangerous men.
1: Yeah. Very dangerous. Very
0: dangerous. Yeah. Very fragile individuals. Yes. And now, with bad haircuts. With bright. Oh, my gosh.
1: <laughs> can't forget about the hair.
0: Oh, the hair. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. From yeah. both of them. Yeah. So... Mm. I, I don't know those I, mm-hmm. I just I wanted to ask you that mm-hmm. and see what mm-hmm. you thought
1: well I think historically right North Korea has been somewhat of a buffer between South Korea and China and us and China okay right so and they've known that and mm-hmm. so because of that they're able to kind of flex that and be use that and abuse that sort of situation that mm-hmm. privilege to their their benefit because China doesn't want a whole bunch of korean people to come into china and all of a sudden like be there and live there because we eat hmm. kimchi and all that stuff um
0: <laughs> i love kimchi
1: thank you yes right yes okay I yes all right I love it it's more than just like probiotics for your gut it's I'm so tasty saying <laughs> tasty. i
0: love it i love spicy so
1: yes oh so good um so <laughs> so now with the with like this denuclearization that plan that's supposedly happening. Um, south korea hasn't had the wherewithal so right now it's a stalemate between the Mm -hmm. north and the south and there hasn't been a lot that's been going on it's just trying to keep the peace trying to keep them from threatening trying to keep north korea just just to stop them from threatening um, and using their weapons because of their military and mm-hmm. can overpower us. So I think South Korea has been trying to do a lot of diplomacy and just kind of building, you know, good rela- keeping just a steady relationship. Yeah. And Trump, in his way, coming in as like he's flexing his muscles. I mean, it is a pissing contest, right? <laughs> the fact that North Korea went for it. I mean, I, I don't even, I, I really cannot understand that situation i really yeah. can't i bet everybody's scratching their heads like right. we just can't believe this worked right but it did
0: yeah yeah <laughs> and
1: no other president could could do it I, and that's also weird to me it is so i don't know it takes one to know
2: one i, I guess so you're yeah, right
0: right <laughs> <laughs> right oh yeah. man i i you know, i'm glad that it happened and at the same time mm-hmm. I I be I mean I'll just be honest. Mm -hmm. I I I don't wish for any success for this 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 president. I Mm -hmm. I I I, I cannot lie. And so Mm -hmm. the fact that now this is gonna get Mm -hmm. spun in a way that, oh see he did this, see he did this, and it's just Uh the you know, the narrative is that liberals don't want him to succeed and that the left is, you know, the liberal left is just all they want is, you know, this doom and gloom. And I'm like, No. (laughs) Actually that's y'all. (laughs) Y'all the ones taking all these rules away and so I don't know but i'm happy I'm, uh, I'm i'm hopeful at the same time i'm very suspicious like yep. i'm trying to figure out like what is
1: and that's right that what does this mean? mean yep yep you know i have to go back to our when we first met that, that e4j meeting yeah because yeah. that was the summer before the election oh yeah it was
0: 2016 the it summer
1: was. of 2016 yeah, some, and yeah. i think by that time trump was leading in the primary he like was he had won the primary i can't yeah. remember and it was so funny, because um, I'm from Georgia. I, I know these people. I mean, I was one, to be honest. I was in the Young Republican. Oh, oh Angie, all right. Yeah,
0: I can't tell you how many times I've had people on that, yeah. that have talked about yes. that. Okay. Brandi Miller, she was telling me. She said she oh. voted for McCain in 08. And, and oh, oh,
1: interesting. Okay. Yeah. So but it was funny because everybody around the circle I th- and i think it was hung Chan ra who said this like so i heard that he's ahead in the polls and and ahead like he is majority with evangelical voters and yeah. and he just was like i mean who are these people i don't know them
0: yeah no, i remember him saying do you that remember yes that? i remember him saying yes yeah. yeah yeah
1: and i was like i do i know these people mm-hmm. i know exactly what they're thinking and mm-hmm. what they're doing. isn't that funny just to, I, yes. I look back on that like yep that's
0: Yes, I remember. Yes, it's a good point. That's a real good point because you're right. I remember him saying that and it taken a second for me to kind of sink in be like, no, this is, yeah, no, this is, this, 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 these these folks. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely.
1: Do you think he's going to be a second term president?
0: I think he has the potential, strong potential. I think, I don't know. For me, the Democratic Party is like, man, they're just, they're a mess and they've been a mess Mm -hmm. a long time, Mm -hmm. but it's gonna if if somebody's gonna be able to come if if whoever it is that runs against him in mm-hmm. twenty twenty is able to galvanize poor, mm-hmm. disenfranchised white people,
2: mm-hmm.
0: they'll be able to have a chance. Mm. Trump is speaking whiteness. And we're seeing whiteness. We've known it. Yeah. We've seen it. Yeah. But the rest of the world hasn't. I was oh, telling somebody the, the, the world. Interesting. I, I, I was telling somebody the other day I was like one of the few good things about Trump being president is that I haven't had one white person since the 2016 election. Tell me that racism doesn't exist anymore. And then I'm just making it up.
1: Really? i
0: mm-hmm. I've actually had more black people tell me that than white people, which is another yeah. phenomenon. But wow. um, so I think we're huh. seeing whiteness and white racism at its at its peak right now (laughs) it's culminated with somebody like trump and so um you know that's that's what rules the roost and so i think that um he has a strong chance of winning i do see him winning in in 2020 because if you get another candidate that's that's completely democratic i mean they will bash the left. there's a strong disdain because of the narrative created Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh against um against the left or anything that appears to be liberal it's, mm-hmm. it's evil it's mm-hmm. sinful it's bad mm-hmm. it's not just a different policy
1: yep. yep it's
0: the devil yep who wants to elect the devil as right. The president right right nobody so yeah. um whoever runs is gonna have to really really be able to to engage and i don't know who that is i really don't because you right. get somebody like latinx it's all oh, of course they're gonna be pro-immigrant. You know, of course, of course. You know, yes. you get somebody black. Oh, nah, I'm gonna be Barack Obama. That's mm-hmm, yeah, gonna be Barack Obama Part Two. <laughs> you get a woman. Same things. You know, same common critiques gonna come out. You know yeah. about women. So I, I don't. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know.
1: I also believe he he will be reelected just because um, it's historical. Historically, most presidents get mm-hmm. elected to second term. Right. Right. Um, there's very few that only have one. Exactly. And so, and he is so, you're right, the way that it's, it's so polarized right now, I just feel like it, his voice is very strong. Very. And it, it will continue to get stronger. Mm-hmm. So, there, so there it is, our prediction. There
0: it is, <laughs> for right For the next exactly. election. That's right. Yeah. There it is, right yeah. there. It's on tape. It's yeah. on tape. Yeah, I think in you know Republicans, they fight dirty and they don't make it seem like it's dirty, but they fight. They know how to fight. That's one thing I'll give Republicans in, in the GOP hmm. uh, that they know how to fight. Democrats don't. You they don't will, think so? They will back down. I mean, you the don't ethnic think Democrats
1: might, have that same capability?
0: Well, they are conniving and they are. They will take money and I mean, they'll do, All politicians are pretty much the same in that sense. But I yeah. think in terms of the public, I'm talking more like a public media, right? Yeah. I think ethnic minorities can do it, but there's so far a few in between, and then you have white liberalism that kicks in, they don't support it. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Brock faced some of the hardest opposition he had when he was first elected, and he had a Democratic Senate and a Democratic House. I mean,
2: yeah,
0: are you kidding me? But that's that's been the Democratic Party I've known. It's yeah. like, you know, white liberals yeah. only show up when they want to. It's like the new election coming up here with J.B. I mean, it's just like, really? J.B. Pritzker? I mean, another billionaire is gonna just run, <laughs> and he gets a black woman to run? as. Like, anyways, all that to say is, for me absolutely yeah. Democrats there are stuff behind the scene but when it comes to organizing
2: mm-hmm.
0: I just don't see it as, as good as, as Republicans do
1: mm. hmm. they are so organized very like they have a clear very clear it's the is this brand yes this brand thing
0: and they yeah. can galvanize around binary issues you know it's like uh, yes. abortion
1: they know how to talk to their people absolutely. really really well
0: same-sex marriage abortion um, taxes, Mm -hmm. you know, eliminate the, uh, you know, the group and, you know, focus on the individual. I mean, so, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So, um, I want to, I want to kind of end with this, um, because I talked about how hip hop can be sort of characterized as like this wrestling and all of that which is which is true asking questions ambiguity um but you also say hip-hop is rooted in peace love joy and unity it is a post-soul context in which christianity can provide space for those seeking a more robust understanding of god situated within the arts and media yes so in a hip-hop sort of church service like if you had to build that yeah like it hip-hop church service (laughs) yeah what are some of the elements that would be in that service
0: oh my gosh um
1: is that a weird question Um,
0: no i mean it's it's a good question i mean it's a it's a good one to ask in terms of what you know what this i think looks like i mean i think i mean the aesthetics i think would be of course you know you have a dj something you know spinning of course a
1: dj i love that of course Of of course
0: um I'm not sure, I mean, because I'm, I'm trying to even think back just to the models of church. I mean, the fact that we mm-hmm. sit mm-hmm. and we listen to this expert.
1: Mm-hmm. We have a service. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't know if that would be hip-hop as much as it would be a community thing. Like, how do we learn together? How do we come and, you know...
1: So wouldn't it be inside of a, a church building,
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing. I think the building would look different. It may even just be like a warehouse. It may even just be a, um, you know, a parking lot. It may just, it may just be art. It may just be the expressions of the the foundational elements. It may Mm. just be dancing. It may just be graffiti art. It may just be emceeing Mm. and somehow tying that back to God in some way. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It'd be about consciousness. It'd be about elevating oneself Mm -hmm. higher, not higher than other people, but in a, in a, in a different, position than what you were even last week like how do i grow in this yeah and and what does that awareness look like so i think some of those practices that you even talked about right with music and meditation i mean that for me is disassembling and deconstructing Uh western thought because western Mm -hmm. thought is about the learning and the knowledge i'm gonna take notes i'm gonna learn from this (laughs) person and you know there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's how i learned yeah um or went to school yeah but i think if we're going to expand that i think hip-hop is is much more bigger than that and so we'll be able to combine several faith different faith traditions into into one
1: mm. sort of experiential yeah
0: yes much more experiential would
1: would there be preaching maybe would there be testimony
0: i definitely think there would be testimony i think so yeah, yeah definitely i mean it'd be oral i mean you know you know folks we mm. people mm-hmm. of color are you know very oral about you know what we how we talk how we express ourselves
2: yeah yeah
0: you know so yes i think that might end up being the preaching
1: yeah, yeah, I like that. I do. I do. I'm like thinking in my head yeah. how to make that happen.
0: Oh, I know. I know. I know. Well, go go do it. I'll follow you. I'll follow you, you. Reverend Reverend Angie.
1: Oh no, no, I'm not tenured. By the way, yeah. I always ask him. I always ask him. How do you get away with saying all the things that you're saying?
0: Oh, man. working
1: at a university. And he was like, tenure? I got tenure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that helps. That helps. That helps a lot. I love it. So that's the
1: pathway to say whatever you want to say while still keeping your job. Yes. Is to get tenure.
0: To get tenure. For now. It is. For, for, now, you for know. now. For now. For <laughs>
1: now. Until the next thing. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really enjoy this conversation. This was great. Thanks for letting me take over. Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> this is awesome. Awesome blossom. <laughs> Hey folks, it's your boy, Dan White Hodge, here to tell you about a great event coming up here in July. I've partnered up with the Wild Goose Festival and with the great Dr. Robin Espinosa to bring you a great event called Justice Camp. This year's Justice Camp seeks to privilege voices that are historically marginalized by bringing together the African-American and Latinx voices of faith organizers and leaders. Bringing these voices together not only helps enliven faith with action, but also bridges together these two communities in critical ways by helping to tell the story of struggle and justice through several lenses. Dr. Espinosa and I will be doing some great teaching along with some amazing other voices on Thursday, July 12th from nine to five. That's Thursday, July 12th from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. And guess what, y'all? It's only $59. Oh man, $59. Yo, y'all gotta get on this. Go on today to the wildgoosefestival.org and look up Justice Camp 18, okay? That's wildgoosefestival.org, Justice Camp 18. I'll also place these links in this week's episode's show notes. So get ready. It's fitting to be on, y'all. Be there!